listening to the Dream App Podcast. My name's Jesse Lyon, Chief Dream Scientist at Dream App. If you've had the misfortune of running across an Andrew Tate video recently, then you know the fear that people are talking about when it comes to how toxic ideas spread like wildfire across the internet. Today I'm joined by Dr. Brendan Nirenberg, who specializes in men's mental health issues and relationship dynamics. He's a TikTok therapist from California with over 744,000 followers. He shares with us the current state of the problem, why it got here, and what we need to be doing now. We will also take a look at some of the differences between men's dreams and women's dreams and talk about why that is. I'm glad you're here, and I can't wait to share this with you. I'm joined today by Dr. Brendan Nirenberg. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, there are some very interesting questions that I have to ask you, um, because one of the things that I think is most interesting uh, about you, aside from the many specialties that you have, is when I first found you many, many moons ago on TikTok, you do a lot of cosplay stuff in anime and like comic books and like you're really connected to, I don't know if you'd call it nerd culture or geek culture, but that's like, that's like a big part of your persona, like your personality. And I love that. Um, do you still like really get involved with those things? Do you still cosplay? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we just actually went to Anime Expo in July. So when nice. we, we, had a, we had a wonderful time, it was, super packed and it was crazy so there was a there was a lot of people there there was it was a little bit overwhelming at times and but it, it ended up being a really good time we saw some real cool stuff we got to see a see um a panel for one piece film red which was like one of the biggest upcoming films of this oh man um, of this time and you know as being a huge one piece fanatic that is totally like my jam <laughs> that's so cool. I for me, I love that so much, and I think that's like why TikTok is so interesting because you have all these therapists and all these people who do these professional jobs, but you get to see kind of like what they are as just a human, which is kind of neat. You know, that's like what you're genuinely into is like cosplay and anime and all those things. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. We're we're always kind of like an example, you know, in a way that you know we're trying yeah. to get people to be you know, they want to work on being the best versions of themselves and being like the most authentic. And I think we're doing a disservice by saying, oh, mm -hmm. here's this personification that you have of me, where it's like, I'm only a therapist. And this is the only way you see it, and thinking that we don't have lives or that we don't make mistakes or that we're not like regular everyday people as well who have hobbies and enjoy things. And I think if anything, it helps a person connect more to it because you know, we, the reason why relationships build is because we find familiarities, we find things that we find in common. So if you have this professional, you know, relationship that's in a therapeutic relationship and they're kind of like, well, I don't understand, like, you know, I don't know how to, you know, kind of resonate. We don't have to fully disclose everything about ourselves, but if we have those little things where it's like, oh, they're a nerd like me, or they're, they're super obsessed with, um, with, uh, Oh my god, I can't even think of hobbies like right now, like with archery or with camp collecting or with fitness or anything like that. Then like yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's a there's a way to build some uh, some mutual respect and some understanding. Like okay, this is a person and I am a person. You know, it's not just uh, I don't know it, get, it can get really clinical and stuffy, and so I like that. You know, and I think most people uh, enjoy that too. Um, 
But aside from doing those things, you do uh, quite a lot in the mental health field and like with the Department of Health, like you've got your own private practice and you have several specialties. The two that I kind of know you the most for are working with men's issues and especially relationships. But you shared a couple others with me. Can you share those? Yes. Also, I take care of, um, I specialize with traumatic brain injury. So I work with traumatic brain injury patients and that can yeah. also, that can be anything from stroke to seizures to um, getting your head bashed in a car accident or, you know, concussions from football players, you know, all of that stuff as well. Yeah, man. What, what would you say comprises your practice most? Is it most uh, brain injury stuff or do you find more relationships and men's issues? What's the, what's the kind of stack right now? I think right now the majority of it is, it's pretty much like 75% like relationships, men's issues. And okay. another 25% is like brain injury patients, I would say. Yeah. What a, what an interesting time to be involved in men's issues, man. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a whirlwind of a time to put it. Oh my gosh. Oh, what do you, how do you balance that? Like what, what has changed in that kind of like climate and atmosphere? Have you had to be like more careful? Has there been a rise of things? Like just as someone in the field, how are you noticing this change as a practitioner for you? I think this has been going on for actually quite a while. It's just like most things of how this happens. It's just more public now. Mm. And it's just gotten more. And unfortunately, through all these things, it usually takes a bad example of something that's blown out of control um, that's caused a whole uprise and it being more focused on and actually getting us to say, hey, wait a minute, this actually has been a problem, but we didn't realize the extent of the problem. And now that we do, we can kind of say, okay, we really have to work on it. But the problem is just like a lot of things we're facing in today, we have a group that believes there is a problem and a group that believes there is not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you talking about like the, uh, the Andrew Tates of the world? Yeah. Well, basically in that situation is like, you know, the whole concept is I think it's like a double-edged sword. Men want sure. to have a clear, you know, sense of masculinity, what that looks like. And there's everything to be proud of that. And that's absolutely what we should be striving for. This good, mm. solid definition that we can agree on of masculinity that is also very unique, you know, and very special. And I think, you know, the one thing is we've seen a rise with feminism. They've been forced to. It's almost like they have to punch it through. And it's been mm. almost abrasive because they've been forced down for so long that they have no choice but to like kind of up the ante a little bit. And the same thing is it should all be based in equality. And we can have, yeah. we can have those kind of things where we can say, you know, the old school of thought with psychology is we have feminine traits and we have masculine traits. But when we take it, that's that's a decision built by us and that's built, built by a society of yeah. what we choose for what. So I think the problem is, is there's not, there's this rooted old definition of masculinity that isn't necessarily mm -hmm. a healthy one. And because it's been put under the microscope, a lot of men are facing a lot of criticisms and are facing and getting very defensive as a result of it. When the truth is, you know, that was an old way, but we're moving towards a new way. And mm -hmm. there's 
some things we can take from the old ways and some things that we kind of have to let go. Yeah. Yeah, man, I would really agree. So you're saying um, to, to some extent, of course, no extremes, but to some extent, some of these characteristics that we label as masculine and feminine, there's a huge cultural component to those. Uh, and there's a lot of pressure there to be this way or that way based on masculine and feminine. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah, there's, a, there's, you know, kind of new age and there's also like traditional, for example. And it's sure. really up to the individuals and the same thing like I tell in, you know, couples. It, the couple makes its own rules. And if that's the rules that you guys adhere to, that's for you. Now, that doesn't mean you can go ahead and force your rules on someone else. And that's why I say when you're a friend and you're giving relationship advice, sometimes you got to ask yourself, are you giving it from your perspective or are you try truly trying to understand it from your friend's perspective? You know, wow, how that's they see their relationship. so great. That's like, that's like, should be the tagline for counseling, right? It's like, why, why would you go to a licensed professional rather than just your friend? Because your friend may be telling you what they would do. A counselor is thinking, what should you do? Exactly. It's more authentic. There's wow, no that's a great way, way to think about it. Yeah, there's no way to actually help a person do it by one, doing it for them, because then they're not mm. going to, that's not going to do any good. Two, yeah. we, don't, we don't give advice. We don't tell them like what we think we should do, because again, that's our own perspective. Where three is trying to get them to actually say, okay, I hear your problem. I hear what's going on. I heard it from your perspective. You know, this is what I understand about you. Do you feel you're in line with what your values and what your beliefs are? And are you actually acting on them? And are you being authentic? Or are you doing something based on what you think someone else should do? And you're taking over for it. Yeah. Ooh, defining your own kind of rules inside the relationship. I guess, I guess that's true. Like, you know, when I think about it just for myself or maybe for those listening, a, a lot of relationships come with like these preloaded, pre-assumed rules, right? The guy's supposed to do this. The girl's supposed to do this. You know, one person's supposed to be this way. The other person's supposed to be that way. Or, I mean, that's even just assuming it is only two people in the relationship. Um, and so if you kind of take that cultural pressure or those assumptions and never really talk about them, well, I, you could have some blind spots, I'd imagine. And it's one of those things I think we don't talk about, we don't talk about enough as a whole, is that yeah. some people, and not it's not a one-size-fits-all. What might be, you know, for example, a new age relationship with new rules and new guidelines, like, look, they want it to be strictly 50-50, which we can get into that later about how that's not actually possible. It's, it's possible at some times, but sometimes it's more like 65-45, 35, excuse me. Right math is not so good at um but um it's, it's always <laughs> depending on the day and the situation there can never be there can only be some moments where it's 50 50 and sometimes where we have to give and take because it's like a balancing act as we've always said life is um i think i strayed away from your original question though now we're kind of we're kind of wandering through. There's there's a path we're trying to cut here because I think having that kind of conversation and that idea helps inform some of the pressures and some of the assumptions we have about being men, right? Or or what even that term means, like masculine. Mm -hmm. And so you know we're in this time where this is really kind of under question. You know you've got it almost seems like these two extremes. You know like you see all the all the social media platforms banning those who are 
very kind of toxic masculinity, very much about like, you know, push your feelings down, be tough, do harder. And so I guess, I guess for me, just like talking with you, someone who specializes in that, like what, what happened that created this environment where this idea or these kind of feelings live and almost seem like they're thriving right now? Like what, what's causing this in our culture? And I, I think that, you know, kind of goes back to one of the articles that was written recently that men, I think, have struggled oh. to communicate because they've been told the more you communicate, the more undesirable you become somewhere down the mm. line that got pushed in the channel. And that oh, yeah. if you talk about your feelings, you know, women will become disinterested with you. Completely false belief. You know, for the for I would say in a general sense, I can never fully say, is there somebody who is like that, who if you express your feelings and they feel no longer attracted to you, that that cannot happen? No, it can happen. But if that's the case, you probably should run. If you're in a yeah, relationship. Yeah, that might have been a bad relationship. <laughs> exactly. There's never a time where if you bring up and you're like, hey, I'm feeling this. It's, you know, it's really distressing to me. It's really upsetting to me. Can we talk about it? And that person goes, yeesh, I don't got time for your feelings. I don't care. You know, man, woman, non-binary, you know, um, gender queer, uh, whoever. That's not a that's not a gender issue. That's a person issue. That's a humanity. Yeah. Like you that's should a human be issue. to confide safely in your partner about how you feel and what you want to do about it and talk it through. That's like the very yeah. basis of a relationship. Huh. So you're thinking some of this, some of this uh, communication that's happened culturally about if you're a man and you talk about your feelings, you are now less attractive, uh, whether whether that's sexually or just less less valuable as a man. You think that's kind of contributed to this? I think that is, and I think, you know, I'm going to take one of the phrases. I absolutely love it. It's actually from a Please. TikTok creator. His name is uh, Joey Swole. Uh, I follow okay. him. Fitness. Um, Love it. And he made. He said the phrase "hurt people, hurt people." Oh. So, and I'm like, the fact that as simple and profound as that is, it's the truth. Because I think what happens is, you know, in the whole Andrew Tate situation, we had a lot of you know young boys who it's like are 19, 18, 20. You know, they're just starting out. They've probably been hurt at this point in a relationship. You know, and there's a lot more social support because women talk wow. to each other. They've established communication. They've been doing this for a longer time. And what happens yeah. when a guy goes to his fellow guys? Most of the time he gets, you know, reinforced with, yeah, well, you know, she's a bitch, bro. I don't know if it's okay to swear on here. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, for sure. You know, well, she's a, you know, it's like she's this. And also you just do what you got to do, man. Like just go sleep with her friends. All this, like everything goes into like revenge. There's very little talk where it's like, hey, man, that sucks. Why don't we talk about it? Like, why don't we sit with it? Or they'll always be like, stop being a pussy. Like, why'd you even have feelings in the first place? Like, you did yeah. you, are you telling me you honestly caught feels? Like to the point we even have like terminology. We have these things like city boys. You're not supposed to catch feels you're not supposed to do this you're just supposed to like bang and boot and that's it like there's all these <laughs> things that we came up with just to basically yeah. don't feel women aren't worth feeling over being in a relationship isn't worth feeling over and move on to the next one and then that mm. continues to push the agenda of how women are beneath men 
you know, I'm not criticizing at all. If there's a guy who's like, hey, I want to sleep with a lot of women. I want to, you know, have a lot of money and I want to go to parties and do that stuff. That's fine. If that's your life, that's mazel tov. Go for okay. it. All for you. If you want a meaningful relationship and you want meaningful connections in your life, probably not the way to go about it. Yeah. You know, it really depends. Yeah. That's not going to happen if you're going about it in that way. Exactly. It's it's more of like, what what do you want is where the fundamental question is. What do you want? Do you want meaningful connections? If you put meaning on material things, I guarantee you're going to attract material people. And that that's the type of people you want to be around with? Cool. There's tons of them. If you want meaningful connections, yep. though, you're going to have to do more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, so there's there's space for you to do what you want to do in life, but let's not get it twisted either. Like if you're looking for material stuff, you're going to get material results. If you're looking for a deep and connected relationship with another human being, you're going to have to take some steps to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, well, and I think, I think even more, like I, I took a moment to write that down, hurt people, hurt people, because that makes a lot of sense to me. It sounds like almost um, that at the core of this kind of rise in the Andrew Tate sort of toxic masculinity is a deep sense of pain, a deep sense of hurt and maybe rejection. And that is one thing that like, look, it's not unrealistic and weird, you know, I, and also I heard this before from someone else and probably again from TikTok or something like this, but it makes the most sense because there is yeah. empirical data to back it up. You know, when a man gets rejected, he has to worry about getting laughed at and getting a little bit embarrassed, which mm -hmm. I seldomly think that happens. I mean, like, again, there are some real cruel people out there that'll laugh at just simply asking someone out. And I think that's completely unnecessary and unfair. Like, yeah, yeah. This, this is something that's kind of like expected. It happens. Um, right. But you should never be laughed at for it or kind of you know, put that hurt place or feel embarrassed about it. You know, rejection is something that should be seen as more of a normal thing. That's like, it just didn't happen. You know, you can move on to the next now, you know, there, everybody acknowledges it doesn't mean you're less of a person. A woman has to deal with if, you know, mm. if she rejects a man, mm -hmm. she could be hurt. She could be assaulted. She could yeah. be even hurt. Yeah. So it really huh. depends. And depending on your situation, context, everything, men don't worry about that. They're not going to worry about, oh, I'm going to, you know, be rejected by a woman and then therefore she's going to just stab me in the jugular. Yeah, not not as much as the other way around. Exactly. So yeah. that, that's what the stakes are. Mm. And know, that's why there's so much... There's so much uh, aggression and violence towards it because I don't want to be rejected. I don't want that social pain. So I'm going to force myself to make this happen to avoid that pain because I'm scared deep down. So I'm going to make this other person scared. And there's also this other belief that, you know, if you're attractive enough, if you have enough money, if you have enough status, everything like that, you're going to be able to attract any single woman you want. You're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If, if <laughs> they could just understand that, if that message could kind of break through, you know, and <clears throat> as you're talking to, I'm curious your thoughts about this. I've always been of the opinion we need to have compassion, but you know, I almost, I almost feel 
bad for saying that because there are people who've been really hurt by this message or really hurt by some someone who believes these kind of things in their life. And so, yes, the solution is to meet this kind of problem, this kind of conflict with compassion. Uh, but behind that compassion needs to be some really strong boundaries. And then second, uh, I don't think the compassion needs to come from everybody, right? Like, um, for example, I, you know, in my clinical practice, like I deal with families and stuff. And so the person's like, oh, well, you know, I've got this, uh, this parent who's very toxic. And, you know, they just, you know, I know where it comes from. I can understand their point of view. Uh, and I want to be there for them. I want to help them. And I was like, listen, you may not be the right person to do that. They may never get that message of, you know, appropriate boundaries and healthy relationships from you, the child. That may need to come from a relative or their therapist or their, you know, uh, maybe if it's a church leader or if it's, a, you know, a mentor in their life. They may never receive that message from you. And so if you're kind of interacting with this, this toxic topic, you may not be the right person to deliver that message. They may never get it coming from you, especially if you're female, you know, based on what they're saying with their rhetoric. Um, and that's okay. You don't have to save everybody. Maybe you're not the person to save them. Maybe just disengaging is the best in that situation. I'm just curious your thoughts on that idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to like go back to when it's when it's compassion, I want to say the majority of it has to come from, it has to go from men to men. We push this issue. I think it's really men holding other men to this ridiculous standard, you know, to the most. You know, we've already talked about, I mean, it's already been out there, you know, male gaze versus female gaze. This is not an unheard yeah. thing before. You know, it's it shouldn't be on women to show the compassion that is necessary when the wound came from men in the first place. We were the ones who caused this ridiculous standard that we had to be in competition with each other. We are not yeah. driving for our survival. We are not, you know, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we have to heal the wounds we created. So we have to be the ones to say, hey, just because you're not making a certain amount of money doesn't mean you're less of a man. Just be you just because you don't have, you know, bulging muscles like or, you know schwarzenegger or you don't have you know money like jeff bezos or you don't have you know this or that or whatever it does not make you less of a man whatever you want right. to be if you're a man who's like look i just want to you know play video games i want to do my job i want to do it well i would like to have you know wife and some kids and that's good enough for me that's fantastic we should be encouraging that if they're like i want to be the next multi-millionaire and i want to go on these extravagant things and you know, that's it for me, but it's just, that's what it is. It's for me. That's great. Mm. You know, let's get you there. But if you don't succeed in these goals, you are not less. Yeah. You are not inferior. You are not a problem. It's just, you. Yeah. it didn't work out. What can we do to support you to get to that place? Yeah. Well, it, I, I don't know if I ever really thought about it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Like it's, this situation has evolved to where there's there's no ability for someone who is female to <laughs> contribute to that conversation. Men created the problem, so men have to fix it, uh, which you know is frustrating. It's kind of silly, but uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, you you dug the hole. You're gonna have to dig yourself out of it now. I mean, you you made your bed now, lie in it. So it's like, okay, like this is a slow process of empathetically and compassionately caring for some very out of control behavior um, by the people who did it. 
you know, and I don't, maybe not me personally, but I'm involved in that community because I identify as male. So having that voice and contributing to it in a positive way, showing compassion, um, well, just is the nature of the beast, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it, I hear all the time about how there's some main insecurities, you know, mm. that men have. And I've heard a lot of women not share the same insecurities that some of them, you know, are like a great deal for some people, everybody has their preferences and everybody is allowed to have their preferences of what they find attractive and yeah. have different ones, everyone. And that's okay. I think one of the things we're doing as a disservice is we're, we're pushing this, that, you know, physical attraction is something that's considered vain. It's not considered vain. We have to have it. Because if we have it, we are speaking in a communication and sexuality is one third of our communication in a couple, you know? So we have to have that extremely important component. If we're not attracted to a person, but we are, we have the two thirds other communication, but we don't have that one, it is always going to be lacking and it is always going to cause a rupture in the relationship. And that can ah. be anything. Everyone's allowed, like, you know, they like their partner to have a certain hair, a certain height, a certain weight a certain sexual feature, a certain way of dress, a certain way of, you know, maintaining. All these things are valid. What's not valid is to make a person feel like shit about it. That's what's not that valid. Distinction. Just, just because, like, for example, like, if you don't, you know, and I see women get into trouble and men get into trouble for the two biggest things. Women mm -hmm. focus on a height. Men focus on a weight. <laughs> So these are the two yeah. things both in trouble all the time that cause a reaction. When the truth is, if a girl wants or a woman wants, you know, a guy to be preferably, you know, six feet or taller, you know, in that yeah. regard, that's a preference and that's okay. But, you know, if the, there's like a five, you know, foot nine or five foot ten or whatever, and they're just like, you know, was there any circumstance you can make an exception? Or is that really like a hard line? They draw a hard line. It's like, okay then that's a preference that's really important to you. And we can acknowledge yeah. it. And they can say, yes, that is a preference that's really important to me. You know, so, you know, um, it has nothing against you. And that doesn't mean just because you are lower than that height that you're insignificant to it. It's just- Oh my gosh, yes. So I, tell that, I tell that to both genders, yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, if you get rejected, it's, it's more on them than it is on you. I mean, you're just you. You can't do nothing about that. That's nope. their preference. It's, it, I mean, it would be a great world if all of a sudden, like, we could just be like, oh, I really like you. And, oh, this is what I can be to this preference to make sure it fits. But we can't do that. You know, nah. we, we are who we are and we should accept who we are. And if we're not someone's cup of tea, that's great. We have to be able to ha understand that and move on to the next. And all features are valid, you know, because you are trying to find yeah. somebody you, it's almost like you're still looking for somebody who communicates the same way, who views the world the same way as you. This is no different. You know, when it's, yes, there are some things that are unrealistic expectations that are also held when it comes to that attractiveness, you know, mm -hmm. that we need to also address as well that, you know, there's some unrealistic, for example, it is not okay to ask someone to be at a completely unhealthy weight, you know, and I think that's one of the things we don't, we don't realize like you cannot be at an unhealthy weight. You can want them to be, you know, a certain body type, you know, but you can't mm. ask someone to be in an, a, a, a weight that would be completely damaging to their health. Like for example, most physically harmful. 
most people don't even understand. For example, women cannot be below 20% body fat or should not be because once Very that true. happens, it starts actually, they go into system failure. That's why most, when I worked in eating disorders, we encourage that it's like, it's so necessary for you to be above 20% body fat because that makes it so that you maintain your menstrual cycle well. That's because if that stops, that's your body literally telling you we are dying and we have to get rid of this function because we cannot sustain a baby. Yeah, it's it's fight or flight mode. Like we are in disaster recovery here. Do not create new life because you currently as an individual are not sustainable at this point. <laughs> exactly. So we're not trying to sustain anything new. Exactly. So it's like this, right. these are things that like we have to have more conversations about. And I think that's another thing related back to men as well. Um, not to keep being like, let's just dump on men. It's just more of like trying to bust the myth. Is one of the earliest well, we gotta talk about it, yeah. introductions to sexuality for men is pornography. Again, an industry that was created like kind of by men for men, even though women do benefit from it, but it's still from that male perspective. Look how many things are like, you know, it's there's you know, forcefulness, there's you know, against will, there's like all these things that mm -hmm. should not be out there because that's not really how it works, but it's still getting pushed yeah. as if the fantasy and how if yeah. it's like something that is actually happened or how these, you know, women have these kind of, you know, have altered their bodies, have changed the way they look, how everyone has perfect body parts in some regards mm -hmm. or, you know, mm -hmm. perfect color stuff, perfect shaded, no hair, you know, massively long, you know, without getting too descriptive. And these are people who have altered their bodies or have done something or have been, you know, have this genetic, you know, kind of sexual piece that benefits for porn and pornography. Right. It's not right. a reflection of the real world. When you see something that on pornography, chances are it doesn't work in reality. Some things, yes, is it good? Probably to get, not. You can totally in your relationship get inspiration for some things. Sure, absolutely. But it, use it as a tool, not as an instruction. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring this up because as much as there has to be this equality and respect uh, between the two parties, like that's what we're pushing for, um, you did bring up some interesting preferential differences between men and women. And I think what's been interesting for me just in my journey like as we've kind of talked about dreams and kind of done some of this stuff, we've found some pretty interesting differences in the way that men and women dream. And so I'm actually kind of curious to see like your feedback of what you think this might be about. Um, so we, we have 2 million dreams that we've recorded and we've been able to run some uh, kind of statistics, right? If you identify as male or identify as female. One thing that I thought was surprising to me uh, was we've actually found that men and women dream about their ex, nearly identical, mm -hmm. same percentage of times, uh, where, I don't know, I think, I think culturally, and perhaps this goes back to the conversation thing we've talked about, um, it seems like women talk about, or cultural thinks that women talk about their exes more, and romance, and oh, I can't get over my ex, but it seems like it's equal. Do you find that to be true, like, in your clinical practice, like, difficulty with exes is pretty, pretty equal between genders? I would think so. I think it could be the matter of also one is just more vocal about it because again, women are more likely to communicate something that's troubling them and more like when a feeling just doesn't make sense. And 
you know, I think men are more likely to dismiss the feeling more of just being like, I don't know, I guess I just had a thought about my ex, you know, maybe I was just thinking about something about them or, you know, something about that as opposed to thinking about how it's impacted them. Because relationships, all relationships affect us in some degree. And I think at one point, you know, the reason why we have dreams of it is because we have attachment. And at one point, that ex was that person's entire world for one reason or another. And that made it significant in our mind. And therefore, it forever sleeps that that significance will forever stay there in the subconscious. It's it's always kind of connected there. And so when you sleep, it kind of comes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't mean necessarily, I'm sure you could speak more on this, but I'm sure it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you're craving your ex again, or you want that relationship, but it just, it just happens because at one point you did feel that way at a certain place in time and your brain's just replaying it. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's what my, my thought has kind of been and like, you know, my digging into what people experience with their dreams has kind of shown that, yeah. Um, exes are a very significant part of our past and it's kind of you know with human beings like we're such relational creatures that you know we define ourselves and we learn about who we are based on our relationships that's why you know like classic psychoanalysis stuff talks about you know your childhood you know you, you think about the cliche therapist right tell me about your mother <laughs> and it's like well you know, it's a little bit silly but at the same time talking about your mom is so important because that's like a formative relationship that kind of defines, okay, this is how I'm valuable to the world. This is how I receive care and nurturance from another human being. In a different way, our ex does the same thing for us. We learn what is romance like? What is my sexuality like? I mean, oftentimes it's the place that we explore just sexually who we are as well. So just as significant for men and for women, uh, those who define themselves that way. So interesting. Uh, I think it's also interesting, though, um, even though ex, uh, dreaming about your ex is kind of the same, uh, cheating is very different. Uh, women tend to dream about cheating 60% more than men across all age ranges. And those of the Gen Z population dream about cheating about 100 times, 100% more, sorry, not 100 times, two times, so 100% more uh, than females from the older generation. So not only is there a difference between men and women, but there seems to be a difference between uh, baby boomer generation and Gen Z. Um, do you have any maybe thoughts about that? So just to reclarify, it's Gen Z that see it's, it's seeing an uptick, a larger amount of this happening. Yes, so it's more in women, but it's even more in Gen Z than baby boomers. Okay. Um, I think it's you know kind of a complicated, it's become, I think, more common as generations have gone down that infidelity has become a more talked about and a more like kind of forbidden kind of topic forbidden fruit kind of thing you know it's not something that especially because we're playing around now we believe that you know polyamory is totally thing not to say that that's you know cheating that's an established relationship with established rules for more people than just a simple two-person relationship Mm-hmm. So we're kind of more, I think the younger generations as time goes on are more in a state of flux as more terminologies. We're breaking away from traditionalism and we're breaking away that, you know, there's so many different types of people. There's so many different types of connections and there's so many different ways we think that we 
need to do have a standard practice of kind of like a baseline of things. But from that baseline, where do you go from there? And so right. kind of in a sense, I think one of those things is, you know, it's very, very common for the younger generations. And I think they're in a, it's like a twofold thing. On one hand, yes, they're having more yeah. dreams about infidelity. Infidelity is more likely to happen. But on the flip side, un unlike their predecessor generations, they mm -hmm. are more likely to explore their sexuality in a more healthy and open way to actually kind of find out what it is they truly want. So you don't have ah. marriages 30 years later when they're like, oh my God, all this time I'm polyamorous or all this time, yeah, all this time like I'm bisexual and they don't know until it's too far in and they've lived this life and then they go through kind of this additional midlife crisis that they've never actually been the person they thought they were in the first place. So huh. I think infidelity gets thrown in with that just because it's one of the things that is not talked about often in sexuality until it actually does happen and it blows up in someone's face and it's something that goes against traditionalism as far as the you know i'm with you i'm with you only but maybe the person who i'm not excusing it at all i think infidelity is probably one of the worst things that can happen to a relationship and i'm always mm -hmm. i'm in camp, breakup you know if you're not happy you don't like your relationship break up don't do the infidelity. It's that's that stuff stays Oof. with person forever. And it's very yeah. hard to get somebody out of that place. So I'm like, you're not happy in a relationship, you don't like it. I promise you that other person will heal, break up. It's more easy to heal from a breakup. Don't <laughs> get over it. Infidelity. <laughs> better to better to be honest than to break up than to lie and create the web of deception that lies underneath. Oof, that's it's, nasty. Yeah. It's yeah. it's much easier to heal from that. And I know that yeah. Some people think they can get away with it. They never can. It always comes out. There's very no, rare no. instances. Because what happens is the very nature of an infidelity, and I know I'm like totally sidetracking, but the inf the nature of an infidelity <laughs> oh, is interesting. It requires energy. And if we work, because therapists work from a systems perspective. So we see sure. the system yeah. dedicating energy towards that outlet as opposed to the initial outlet. So the initial outlet doesn't feel the energy anymore. So something's uh, wrong in the absence of the person. So therefore they catch wind of it. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to sustain two things when they're supposed to be monogamous. Yeah, you, you can't. It's almost like just by the fact of having it, the system, the person, person mm -hmm. is the system, takes energy and diverts it to this way. Well, of course, your partner's going to notice that you act in a little different. There's no way, there's no way around that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, also, and, and it's interesting. It's interesting that you say that about, about kind of the change in culture and being more open to these non-traditional types of relationships, because uh, another thing is that um, the research kind of shows uh, millennials, male millennials dream about threesomes about 50% more than male uh, baby boomers. And probably yeah. before that was considered immoral. And I think there was holding on the older generations. You know, you also, I think a correlation is also, you're probably wouldn't be surprised if you also see a downward trend of religious influences as the generation mm. on, because probably there was also this, you know, this place of religion is stating anything besides traditional, you know, missionary sex 
for the purpose of procreating is immoral. That's that's traditional so, for sure. <laughs> so that, in a sense, that's going to restrict a lot of people because, of course, they're not going to want to go against their God. They're not going to want to go against yeah. the church. They're not going to want to go against the Bible. And so, therefore, they're going to stay in that realm. But curiosity is a funny thing. And it's it still sure is. So yeah. it's always like, you know, but it doesn't linger, I think, as much. And I think as time has gone on and as we become more open as a society, trying to understand new principles, trying to understand different things, that we don't all fit in the same box. We actually are all quite different. And some of us hold traditional values. Some of us hold non-traditional values. Some of us hold a hybrid of both, you know, yeah. and that there's actually a place for all of it. It's just a matter of, are you with a person that agrees with it? You can absolutely have a successful open relationship. You can have a successful monogamous, a successful polyamorous one. That's that's all completely an option. But you just have to make sure that the person adheres to the same rules as you do. Wow. You're kind of blowing my mind. Like I'm I'm really realizing through this conversation that it seems like a huge issue is that we try to legislate the wrong word, but we try and tell everyone or instruct everyone to to do one thing when that one thing is just somebody's preference. Like nothing wrong with missionary only monogamy. Fine, if that's what you're into. Nothing wrong with, you know, open relationships or, or polyamory or, you know, whatever kind of situation you got, as long as the rules are agreed upon beforehand and they're respectful and healthy. You can't be like, well, we both agree that you should be, you know, 85 pounds. Uh -uh, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> there, there's there's a line there, but as long as we're in this line, this area of healthy, exactly, and it's kind, of, it's up to preference, and you can't tell someone, well, you should do my preference, or mm -hmm. you know, well, I I have to follow this preference. It's just all preference. Exactly, and the thing is, you're allowed to have huh. you're allowed to have hard preferences. You're allowed to have soft preferences, where it's like, I don't know, maybe you know, for a guy who's like, well, I'm into blondes. And, but is that a hard preference or like, is she only needs to have blonde hair or if she decides to go brunette one time, it's like, yeah, it's not my favorite, but you know what? It doesn't bother me that much. And I still, I'm really attracted to her. That's a soft preference, you know? Okay. Okay. One of those things like, and it, at the same time, like you said, you know, you can't have a agreed upon, like we agreed you should be like, you know, 85 pounds. That's policing weight. That's completely disordered. You know, you, you can't, no, no, no. you can't do that. Whereas opposed no. to like, look, you can acknowledge when someone is indulging in unhealthy habits. You notice that binge eating has become a thing, you know, or exactly they're they're eating for the comfort of their emotions. These are things that can cause us to have an unhealthy relationship with food. And this is things you can bring out in a healthy way, because a lot of times I think people just go in something like that. That's, you know, we have such an attachment to food for everything. You know, we socialize around it. We we bond over it. We, you know, have our go-tos, we have our comforts, you know, and if yep. you have somebody criticizing it, that's an attack on you. That's a huge mm. thing. Because right it's, it's part of the identity. Exactly. There's a right way. Wow. Like, oh, I will mess up a bag of Taco Bell. Are you kidding me? Like, and if, <laughs> if somebody, yeah, if, if someone's <laughs> like, you do realize that's unhealthy and that's going to be probably the reason why you get like colon cancer it's like wow i have a way to make me feel real bad about myself you know when it's like yeah. I, like look i i eat other healthy things like this isn't the only thing it's just it's one of my go-tos i enjoy it why isn't life meant to be enjoyed at some facets 
You know, yes, you got to work. You got to deal sometimes with Sometimes I wonder, Brendan, you know, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it's like meant to be enjoyed. So much stress sometimes. Maybe at least striving to enjoy it. <laughs> so you heard it here first. Brendan says it's okay to have a Taco Bell every now and then. <laughs> Absolutely. It's okay to have a Taco oh, yeah, Bell. Right. It's okay to have an Oreo. It's okay to have all of it. See, it's a podcast episode I can get behind, man. <laughs> What's, so Taco Bell is your guilty pleasure. Huh? That's the it one. Is. And it's like, you know what? Some of those times there's a difference between, eating, you know, eating and not confronting your emotions and finding comfort. You have a hard day. There. You have a hard day. You want to go. You want to find something. You know it's something that's going to make you feel better. Be like, there are some days I we practice this. We, me and my wife, we always try to eat healthy. We always try to eat a regular balance, you know, especially because we're the we're the first people like you know when we we go somewhere everything we like to enjoy everything we're like on a no hold bar you know it's like there's a reason why we're coming here we came here because we found out they have great you know steak or they have great chili dogs or they have great pizza here you know we came here specifically for this you know and so we try to we have a plan you know we try to you know cook we try to do everything at home we try to maintain our you know health you know try to maintain our health but you know what if one of us comes in we're like i had I had a shit day, you know, and I really, you know, and sometimes we even have full plans, you know, maybe we're going out that day. Maybe we're, maybe we got some stuff to do in the backyard that we have planned. And we totally yeah. have that mutual understanding that if one of us comes and we're just derailed and we just want to have like pizza in bed and watch a movie and just be together. That is oh not, a, that's amazing. <laughs> and that's kind of like, that's, that's one of our rules. So it's like, that's all love, man. you can create, they don't always have to be like, well, you know, our rule is you can't go and, you know, sleep with other people. Yeah, yeah, that's a rule that you want to, you know, establish. But another sure, rule, sure. Right. That, you know, you have a fun one where it's like, look, if you're not doing okay, um, or if you're not doing that, have a fail safe where it's like, what's something you guys always like to enjoy? Maybe some people mm. say, look, I, I want to have the ability to go out and take a, and go on a hike. And have a partner who's like, yeah, we can we can do that. You know, we can go. Today's to a hike day, babe. Let's do it. Exactly. Today's a hike day. You know, they drop everything. Chances are, one of you is going to be doing better than the other. And this is where I come back to what we said, where it can't always be fifty-fifty, because ah, right, your partner is at a ten, and they're not doing good, and you're at a ninety, and you feel like you can take on the world. Mm-hmm. This is your time that where you can take support, and yeah. There's, there's a language to it. There's an art to it. It's all about finding out what works best for you two. You're not going to get it right all the time. That's what growing mm-hmm. a relationship is about because you find out, ah, this is a new rule and this is something. Even though we've been together for three years or four years or five years, this is something new. Yeah. This is a new situation. Let's create something out of this so that we know how to confront this. Yeah, man, you're saying this and it's making me think, you know, I, we were talking just before we started. My wife is pregnant, right? So it's been a lot of... Babe, I, I know you were going to cook this for dinner tonight, but I need some Chinese food. I'm like, baby, we're getting Chinese food. Don't you even worry about it. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's been like that. And I mean, you know, I, that's that's one of the things I think about all the time, like especially learning and trying to grow personally through this process of my wife being pregnant right now. Like, the, it is not 50-50. I am carrying none of this baby right now. <laughs> none exactly. of it's inside of me. It's 100% her, 0% me. So, yeah, I'll, I'll cook, I'll clean, I'll, what do you need? I'll go get it for you. That's only fair, man, you know? And it's still not fair because I'm going to deal with it. Yeah, what? oh, my God, like, what do you need? I'm, it's fine. I'm going to go get it. <laughs> That's wild, dude. So, so yeah, like, and there's no, like, we can, 
can't put half the fetus inside of me. Like that's not possible. So there you go, be 50-50, my guy. <laughs> You'd be surprised at even in those situations, how it's just because it's such a societal acceptable thing where in the past, like, yeah, well, my when my great grandmother was pregnant, she walked 15 miles to go like to the carrot field. Otherwise they were gonna starve. Okay, starvation is a hell of a motivator. Doesn't matter your sure. pregnant. So it's like there's a reason for that, as opposed to yeah. like we don't have to worry about that. Now it's just like can you be a human <laughs> being and realize that pregnancy is actually ten times harder than you could ever imagine. And oh my god. Your wife needs some help around the house. Yeah, just because your grandma was trying not to starve doesn't mean you could sit your ass down and play Warzone like while she does the dishes. <laughs> like, damn, bro, like get it together. <laughs> Oh my God, that's great. That's great. So I've actually, you know, like, like take it as an opportunity to grow. I think like, you know, I've done a lot more cooking recently, like, you know, just because that was our previous agreed upon thing. You know, we sat down and talk about it. Like, Hey, who's going to kind of handle the cooking in the house? Okay. You like cooking. So you do it, but now she can't. So I'm doing more cooking. I'm finding it's a great stress reliever. I'm finding some creativity and being able to cook and like take care of her in that way. And it's kind of empowering. Like, I'm exploring things I never thought I'd explore. So it's yeah, huge, man. Great experience. It helps you understand if anything. And what I also try to explain, you know, to men as well is these are life skills. You need to be able to clean things properly because good hygiene. Oh my gosh, cleaning space means means no bugs, means no diseases, means no you going to a hospital, means like no hospital bills. Like think about this. This is actually a financial thing if you really want to get you know, technically, yeah, 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 yeah. where it's like cooking. Yeah, hospital is expensive, man. You have to cook for yourself. You have to be able to make food. You have to be able to prepare it. If you don't know that chicken needs to be heated to 165 degrees, like internally, you're going to get poisoning. Like you mess it up. The survival skill. Simple stuff, man. Simple stuff. But so, like for so long, it's been like the narrative has been, uh, well, you're a man, don't cook. Like that's woman's work. And it's like, oh my God. Like, like we're we're ensuring our own ignorance and demise. Like, okay, so you're just making sure that all the men don't know how to like cook things properly and so they get sick and go to the hospital. Like, what what good what's the end game here, man? Like what how is that helpful to anybody? So ah, good stuff. Good stuff, man. Well, so what's that? It's just a slew of it. Like there's so many like like the same thing, like you're not supposed to cook. You're not supposed to clean. You're supposed to just go to work and come home. Yeah, that worked in 1950, but everybody works now. Everybody works. Nobody wants to come home and make food and do dishes. So let's just get that out of the way. Like everybody yeah. wants to come home, sit on the couch and pretend the world doesn't exist after they get done with their job because half the hey. time their job is definitely messing up things because it's such a hard and toxic working <laughs> environment. That's a whole other topic. It's like it's like you're in my head, Brendan. <laughs> I just want to sit on the couch, man, and pretend the world doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah, oh, it's good. It's good. Okay, well, as, as we kind of come to a close, I do, I do have one more question that I'd like to ask you. Um, you know, there is uh, some interesting differences, you know, as I'm just talking about my personal practice. Um, there's some interesting differences between men and women when it comes to violent dreams and flying dreams. Men have more flying dreams about like flying, more violent dreams. Um, what are your kind of thoughts about that? Is the violence and the aggression that seems to be 
inherent. I mean, you can, you can call it a testosterone thing. You can call it a cultural thing. I'm not sure, but like that aggression, that violence, um, is there a place for that? Is that misplaced? How do we handle some of those things? Just your opinion, because you work in that field. For as far as dreams go or as far as where the violence goes? Yeah, just like um, that being a part of masculinity. Like, um, is it a is it a part of masculinity? Is it something that we need to get rid of in masculinity? Is there a healthy expression? Are we in a toxic expression? Just that topic and masculinity with aggression, violence. I I seldomly think, and I try to find that there's always a solution before violence, always, mm. unless imminent violence is headed towards you and you need to defend yourself. That is the only yeah. circumstance in which you control because unfortunately, you know, I like to think like if the whole world wasn't violent, you wouldn't need to be violent, but we don't live in that kind of world. And unfortunately not. You know, as much as we can practice is we can practice. I've been in just being a guy. I've been in situations. I've been in bars. I've been in, you know, clubs. I've been in, you know, malls and I've had everything. And I've had randomly, you know, other guys, maybe someone stepped on someone's toe. Maybe someone spilled over a drink. You know, maybe someone yeah. I, I, and I think part of that is being a man is taking accountability. I've totally spilled someone's drink like at a bar and everything like that. Luckily not on them. But the first mm. thing you know, I do is like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Let me get that for you. Let me buy you back that drink. Because it's like right. that's something. There's no need to fight over it. I don't want to ruin your night. You don't want to ruin mine. Both of us are going to end up kicked out if we get in a brawl about this. And most huh. of the time, if you know, talking everything and trying to say and just being like acknowledging where it is, I think a lot of men are afraid to take accountability in some situations like that, where it's like they knock over a drink and it's like, yeah, well, you were standing there. Have you ever been in a bar? It's crowded. This is a very <laughs> likely situation to happen. It's kind of a place that people stand. Uh, exactly. <laughs> people stand. People move. People are not watching what they're doing. We are inebriated. So it's like we're not making the best movements of our time. Just trying to have a good time. So, exactly. Everyone's just there to try to have a good time, meet up with friends, de-stress over you know what's going on. And if we can acknowledge what we did and just take accountability for it, I think a lot of things go away. And a lot of mm. things end. Most of the time, it's like, hey, what happens most of the time? They say, hey, you owe this person an apology. Or, you know, everything's fine. Just make sure you pay for the damages. That's yeah. what accountability is. There doesn't need to be. It's the problem is where, you know, we're trying to get out of something. And then we say, no, it's not my fault. You shouldn't have been there. You shouldn't have did this. We know whatever. And then the other person gets more upset. And then they start hurling insults. Like, all right, now you're the type of person who clearly doesn't want to take responsibility. So now you're less of a person. And I'm going to make sure you know you're less of a person. Wow. And then insults continue. And then things get heated. And then before you know it, they're face to face and they're waiting for which one to swing. And it just escalates, yep. escalates and escalates. And the truth is, it's, that's where it all starts. If we just see, okay, if there actually is a measure where people can yeah. say, you're allowed to take accountability and it doesn't make you less of a person for taking it. Because the problem is also in the message is if you acknowledge fault or you say, yay, it was my fault. Let me do something about it. It's like, well, you're just being a little bitch. Because you're you're not standing yeah, a sissy, up. a pussy. Exactly. When the whole thing we're contradicting ourselves. The whole thing about being a man and manhood and masculinity is taking accountability and being right. the. I, that's person. what I was told. Right, and that's the same thing I was raised. You do something, you own up to it, you take accountability for it, and you issue what needs to be done. 
And so that's what I was learning. That's why it was like, if I knock someone over, if anything like that, I'm just like, hey, I'm sorry, let me help you up, you know, or let me, anything like that. I am not trying to harm anybody. But some people don't jive with that. And then the biggest thing for them is saying, I'm in the right no matter what, and I have the right to do so and do whatever I want to people. And that's not the healthy mentality to go about. Look, another contradiction to you is a man, here's here's a perfect contradiction. Another thing. Completely healthy, masculine thing. You say what you need to say when you want to say it, and you're speaking your truth. That does not give you the right to be an asshole and say things that, you know, are just like whatever off-the-cuff things. Like some men, you're just going like, well, it's like, yeah, well, I don't agree with, uh, you know, women needing to, women need to stay in the kitchen. So that's what I just feel, and that's what I believe. You know, that's not a thing. That's not speaking your truth. But in the same context, you know, being right. able to and say whatever you want and you believe that as a man but yet when your girl asks you what's wrong i notice something's off about you you say nothing's wrong you're fine and inside you're boiling oh man you made so, a great tiktok video about that just like i don't know if it was this week or last week but it was so good it's exactly and that's the that's one of the core things i deal with and i see daily is it's like if you had a problem with it why did you not speak your truth why did you not say something when it happened why did you wait responsibility accountability well, I've never, I've never really thought about it quite like that. Like thinking about what the connection between accountability, responsibility and violence has been. And I'm so, I'm so excited that we're doing this, like with the app and like keeping track of these things. Of course, all the things that are in the app are completely private. We don't like look into the dreams themselves, but we're able to track certain keywords and the general sentiment. Um, it's, it's all anonymous, of course. So I'm really interested to see, like, because we're collecting this good data now in 2022, how it'll change in 2032, you know, or five years from now in 2027, right? That's going to be so interesting to see if some of the the differences in genders for violence change if we start to move in a more positive, progressive direction as a community. That's going to be, wow, that's going to be interesting. I never thought about it like that. I would like to see that. I would like to see as we start talking about these things. And we stop getting defensive about it and we start making accountability more of a common thing that actually you are a better person and you're more of a man for taking accountability for your actions instead of trying to pin the blame on someone else. But with this dream thing, you're becoming Lord Morpheus by the day at this rate. (laughs) That's been my goal the whole time (laughs) (laughs) i knew it i knew it there's there's a secret thing like you're gonna be part of the dreaming i'm I'm coming in on season two you know it's gonna be great (laughs) (laughs) man what can only hope what can only hope no i actually i'm i'm two episodes in i haven't actually watched the full thing i've been a little bit busy so i'm excited to like try and finish it up this week uh but i'm like so so stoked what a great time what a great time have you seen the whole thing I have. You are you're in oh, I just I loved it start to finish. Yeah. I'm definitely planning on doing a react video to it. Like I'll pick out oh, some key sure. scenes and be like, oh, here's the deeper meaning. And I'm like, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm you know, it's you, what of I all love. People, you of all people, you have to. Oh, got to, man, got to. So well, Dr. Nirenberg, thank you so much for being here, for taking some time to shed your light, your wisdom, your insight about men's issues. Uh, and culture in general uh, on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Happy to be here and happy to share whatever I can, you know, for the good of people. Thanks, man. All right. Until we see you again. Bye, y'all. Take care.
All right, and I'll stop recording and we'll cut the rest out. Oh, okay, it's gonna end the whole thing. Man, thank you so much. That was that was really Probably. great. I'm glad I'm glad I can help. I hope that stayed on topic and it didn't go too like all over the place for you. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely did not. I felt like it was very focused actually. Um, and I kind of like that too. And like the feedback that I get is they like it to be more conversational, not so much like bullet point interviews, you know, it's kind of a back and forth. So I think this was great. And that covered like the topics that I really wanted to hit. So thanks, man. This is, this was great. This is good to connect with you again, more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Every time you want to reach out, um, I don't remember if I gave you my number or not. Did I, did I give you my cell phone number? Oh, I might still have it from when you came down. Okay. I'll, to, I mean, I'll check. To reach, out, reach out and talk anytime, even if you're just like, man, I, I don't know about this or something like, dude, fatherhood's going to be an adventure. And if you need someone just to talk to, I'm here, man. Well, I, I really appreciate that, man. Um, it has been an adventure and will continue to be an adventure. <laughs> I'm sure. How, how far along is she? Uh, so tomorrow will be 15 weeks. 15 weeks. My God. So we're just, we're just into really solid second trimester here. So. Oh, man. February 14th, due date. She'll be here before you know it. I know. I know, man. It's going to be... <laughs> I see you guessing. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate like you see my games, but they will be here when they're, when they're ready to be here. It's going to be great, man. It's going to be great. I've also, I've also played with the idea. Uh, both of our families are very conservative, right? Like, like religious conservative. And so I'm like, oh, we should do a gender reveal, but like, like fake them out. Like we'll do purple poppers. Be like, it's a baby, and just like piss them off. Be like, just kidding. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm, just kidding. I'm a poke the bear kind of guy, you know. So <laughs> just to watch their reaction, and then you're like, no, here's a blue one. It's okay. Yeah, here's a here's a blue one. Here's a pink one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think my wife would ever go for it, but but me inside, there's part of me that wants to. <laughs> I, I take it that means they're going to be hoping for like a baptism and godparents and all that jazz as well. Probably, probably the whole thing. Yeah, probably the whole thing. Yeah. If so. it's any, if it's any consolation, you, my family included, we had a lot of religious people, and my parents just did it just to shut everybody up. Doesn't make you any yeah. different. Make you like you're not holding your own standard. Sometimes to keep the peace, to have some arbitrary thing or meaningful thing whatever you know float your boat. yeah it's been pretty good man we've been able to hold some pretty pretty solid boundaries with the family so i'm feeling pretty good about it but it's just uh man every now and then when you have those kind of interactions like the big life moments it's just a reminder wow the way that you live your life is very different than the way that i live my life and that's uh it's it's helpful to remember okay this is where i came from sometimes when i'm struggling with myself or like even struggling with my mental health it's like okay because this is the framework that you came out of. So it makes sense that you struggle with those thoughts. Yeah. Weddings, babies, so. and funerals every single time. For sure, man. Dude, well, I'll definitely be texting you. I really appreciate that, man. Absolutely. Anytime. And if you ever want to have me back for cool. a different issue, feel free to reach out to. Yeah, definitely will, man. Definitely will. Cool. Dude, well, have a great, great rest of your week, man. I'll keep in touch. Take it easy. Same, Jesse. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye.